Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to the data management category. Uh, today, I'm super excited to be talking with Matt Schwartz. He's the CEO of Virgo. And Matt, thank you so much for being, being here and doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, um, thanks, Kyle. To give a, a little bit of context of why we're having this conversation, we spent a lot of time looking at over 160 data management startups across the spectrum. Uh, we thought Virgo has a very unique proposition and uh, blends with other categories, but uh, the, the, the functionality and also the use cases for the product was quite unique. And before we even get into that, um, uh, we'll, we'll share a quick visual, but this is why we think um, based on the information in this interview, uh, this is exactly why we think Virgo is one of the top companies within the data management category. So we're really excited about it. So with that, Matt, I'm gonna change it to you. Feel free to jump in and talk a little bit more about the, the product so that everyone kind of has a baseline of what Virgo does. Yeah, sounds great. Well, thank, <clears throat> thanks again for the uh, introduction, Kyle. Really excited to be here to be able to share what we're building at Virgo. I'll go ahead and share my screen here and walk through a couple of quick slides to just give a, a nice high level overview of what it is that we do at Virgo. All right, is that coming through on your side? Yep, I could see it. Perfect. So again, my name is Matt Schwartz. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Virgo, and we're building the next billion dollar healthcare company around what we see as some really valuable yet historically untapped uh, data in the healthcare landscape, and that's namely medical video data. Now, we are starting by addressing the $225 billion in pharmaceutical markets that result, revolve around endoscopy. And just to set the table, endoscopy is really an umbrella term for any medical procedure in which the doctor places a small video camera inside the patient. And this may be done for diagnostic, therapeutic, or even surgical applications. So on the screen here, you see a number of different clinical areas that really heavily uh, utilize endoscopy as uh, an imaging modality. And what we think is really interesting across these different disease states is that that endoscopy video data plays a critical role in pharmaceutical trials, both for patient identification and inclusion, and also for actually tracking the progress of those patients over the course of the trial. Unfortunately, uh, clinical trials across these disease spaces are largely broken. Uh, they really struggle to find and enroll patients. And we believe this is largely because pharma companies don't have access to that historical endoscopy video data. Based on our analysis of these markets, pharma companies are leaving about $40 billion per year in additional revenue on the table, again, because they struggle to find and enroll patients. And as a result, those clinical trials get delayed. Um, what's, what's important to think about is historically, uh, even though these procedures are video based, the video from the procedure itself has not been uh, captured and committed to the electronic medical record. So in a typical colonoscopy or bronchoscopy, the doctor may document a few still images that will uh, be of kind of varying quality and put those in the medical record, but the video itself will disappear after the procedure and is completely unrecoverable. Um, so with Virgo, we've set out to change that and, and um, the way we've done it is by launching the industry leading cloud video capture management and AI analysis platform for endoscopy. The, the way the platform works uh, starts with a small device. You may be able to see here on my video screen, uh, we've got our device, it is similar in form factor to an Apple TV. It's very easy to install and, and what we do with this device is connect it to the video output of any pre-existing endoscopy system. So 
The, the physicians don't have to change anything about their typical equipment. We just attach our device uh, to the video output and then also connect to the internet. And from there, we've automated the video capture workflow uh, using some patented machine learning algorithms that automatically detect when to start and stop video recording. Uh, that way the doctors don't have to change anything about what they do. The videos just automatically get recorded and then securely transferred to our HIPAA compliant cloud storage. Um, once the videos are in cloud storage, you can see here's a, a just little screenshot of our HIPAA compliant web portal where doctors have access to their video library. They can search for videos. Um, and then you see we also identify some highlights here using computer vision and overlay that on the video timeline. Um, we pick up just anatomical highlights as well as anytime instruments are present in the field of view. Um, the, the instruments are notified here in these blue regions of time. So we detect, for example, when uh, forceps is present for a biopsy or a snare may be present for polypectomy. Um, and this is just a great way to make it easier for the end user to, at a glance, identify the most important parts of the procedure. Now, what we're really excited about is uh, we're currently expanding the platform to include tools that will help to automatically identify patients who are likely candidates for these different pharmaceutical trials. And we do that largely based on analysis of the endoscopy video. Um, for a lot of these disease states, there are specific endoscopic criteria that a patient needs to meet in order to be eligible for a trial. Um, and we're building out different AI algorithms that can automatically predict those endoscopic criteria, couple that with additional information from the electronic health record, and make an ultimate prediction as to whether certain patients are likely candidates for clinical trials. At that point, the principal investigators and clinical research coordinators can uh, conduct patient outreach and, and get patients enrolled into trials faster. So we launched this core platform back in uh, mid-2018, and we're currently installed in 12 hospitals and ASCs around the country, mostly large academic medical centers. Um, and in doing so, we're now in five of the top 20 uh, GI programs around the country. We've started with a focus on gastroenterology, although we are starting to see uh, an expansion into bronchoscopy. Um, so we're really excited by the, the uptake on the provider side. We've also started to commercialize with pharmaceutical companies, uh, signed our first deal with the top five pharma company earlier this year, um, and, and have just really been excited by the growth. Um, we've already captured over 100,000 endoscopy procedure videos, which we believe is the largest data set of its kind, and that continues to grow over 5,000 new procedures per month. Um, so that's just a, a quick overview on, on what we're doing here at Virgo, and we'll be happy to answer any uh, additional questions that you've got, Kyle. Awesome. This was fantastic. I really appreciate you sharing kind of the ins and outs of the product. I mean, I think yeah. it helps, sets the baseline. Um, before I jump into product questions, I'm curious, is there a backstory of why you created this company? Yeah, absolutely. So to give you my quick background, um, studied biomedical engineering and then began my career as a product manager in the medical device space. Uh, spent about five years at a company called Nuvasive doing product management in the minimally invasive spine surgery space, and then went on to Intuitive Surgical as a product manager on the Da Vinci robotic surgery system. And uh, just kind of by happenstance, I grew up doing a bunch of video editing. My dad had one of the first iMacs and uh, kind of always learned how to do, do video editing and took that into my career uh, with support surgeries around the world. And anytime I'd go out uh, to support a surgery, I'd try to capture video of the procedure. And a lot of these were laparoscopic surgeries. Of course, robotic surgery is, is largely video-based. And it, it struck me that um, there was all this really powerful video data being generated. 
and nobody was capturing it. Uh, with DaVinci, for example, it's a $2 million robotic surgery system and there's no native video capture. Um, you can put the, the video feed to like a DVD recorder or a hard drive recorder, but the system itself didn't have any video capture capabilities. And, uh, and so that was always kind of sticking in the back of my mind that there's just a lot of interesting things that could be done with this video for teaching, uh, research purposes, quality improvement applications. And then uh, as I was working at Intuitive, I became very interested in machine learning and computer vision and started taking some courses online there and, and had this aha moment that all this video data being generated is really incredibly powerful training data for machine learning systems. Um, and so from there, started thinking about, is there a way we can incentivize doctors to start capturing this video? Can we just build a tool that will help capture the data to power these machine learning uh, and artificial intelligence systems of the future. And that was, that was essentially the birth of Virgo. And we recognized that gastroenterology was a great place to start. Um, it's an incredibly high volume procedural specialty. And there was a lot of uh, demand from doctors just looking to get a, a core video capture system. Um, and so that was really the, the jumping off point for the company. Hmm. Interesting. And it's it's always it's it's unique uh, having that uh, weird mix of the video editing plus being within the medical space. It's a it's a it's a unique combination. Uh, yeah, but it all, makes the, sense. all the weird all the weird backstory of my life kind of came together in, uh, <laughs> in in one thing. That's Virgo. <laughs> it's fate. It's fate. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you know, this is actually again why we highlighted you is because of the uniqueness of the product and it really is much different than what most data management companies or that at least what we categorize as data management. A lot of them are software solutions that are really just built on where do data exist, how to push data to somebody else, how to receive data as a data provider, um, how do you manage your own individual data as a patient, uh, but like I said, you blend because you're also part of the device category because you have a device, but you're also yeah. now in imagery category because you do image recognition and you're dealing with it. Right. Um, but but the, the primary purpose of why we put you here is because the fact that the, the seems like at the baseline, it's just helping manage and capture video. Yeah. And then what you can do with that, great. So that's right. why, and you kind of touched on it already, but, and, and maybe you can talk specifically about in, you know, the, the, the field that you're working in and the specific category in healthcare that you're working in now, but what has, why is video an issue? And why has an existing tool just pushed video into the main server of a hospital system or to a cloud? And yeah. why is this a challenging process? Yeah, so I think it's really interesting just to think about sort of the history of the electronic health record systems that we have today. And I think uh, people are really starting to wake up to the fact that EHR systems are not primarily designed to be clinical systems of record. They're intentionally designed as billing systems of record. And um, as a result, what you see is that in a lot of different specialties, um, the, the data that's captured in the EHR is um, it's not always perfectly useful for clinical applications. It's really meant to, to document what takes place so that the right people can get reimbursed appropriately. And in specialties like gastroenterology or surgery that are really procedure heavy, um, the EHR I think falls short at capturing all those intricacies of what takes place during the procedure itself. So in like a, a typical endoscopy report, 
a doctor might be doing you know a 20 or 30 minute procedure and then after the fact they sit down at the computer for five or ten minutes and they type up a, a summary of what took place and in our opinion um, that's likely good enough to to get reimbursed of course you can you know say exactly what took place we performed a colonoscopy here are the key findings but there's a tremendous amount of information that that just gets lost in that process of going from a 30-minute procedure to a couple of paragraphs of text um, and, and I think historically, just billing is what drives uh, the data capture in, in healthcare, for better or worse. And, uh, and, and we really felt strongly that um, the, the clinical documentation, documentation side was, was just falling short. Um, and, and we feel like a, a better clinical uh, documentation system would really capture video. Now, historically, from a technology perspective, video has been somewhat difficult to capture. It's, it's a lot of data. A video can take up a lot of uh, space on a hospital server. And if uh, a hospital's IT department is not kind of expertly set up to handle video data, it can be really difficult. It can overwhelm a PAC system. I think a lot of uh, hospital servers and IT departments struggle even with just, you know, radiology imaging data, uh, MRIs and CT scans. And so we have definitely brought in a lot of, um, I'd say, consumer expertise. My, my co-founder uh, was an early engineer at a company called Dropcam, which was uh, basically the first home Wi-Fi security camera company. And, and they were doing you know, live video streaming uh, from hundreds of thousands of devices around the world. And that sort of um, cloud video know-how is I think has historically just not existed in the healthcare space. So it's sort of the, the perfect storm of, from a tech perspective, it's now feasible to capture video at scale. And from a clinical perspective, people are recognizing that um, this data is incredibly useful if we can capture it in a systematic way. Mm. Interesting. And, and maybe to build off even further to get even more specific on this question, um, Physically, from the from the user standpoint or the provider itself, mm -hmm. what has this physically changed? And 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 I don't have a, a probably I haven't done any probably not in the same position as you doing any type of surgery, so I I'm not familiar with the process. But are endoscopic systems or just machines that kind of just sit in the corner of an office and they're not connected to a cloud or anything else, and they're just they're there to provide a visual when you need it, and you know after that it just is it's just a machine is yeah. And, that physical process of being able to, and when you put in your system, how do you interface with these tools or machines in a variety of different healthcare settings? Sure. Yeah, so it definitely varies uh, from system to system and setting to setting. What you see particularly in GI endoscopy, these uh, colonoscopies and upper endoscopies are performed in what um, settings typically call endoscopy suites, which is almost like an operating room but maybe kind of one step down in terms of um, just like sterility and process. Um, you know, still definitely sterile environments and, and, and proper environments for these procedures, but not quite with the level of integration that a true operating room would have. And so with an endoscopy system, um, there's usually a stack of, of boxes that are like the video processor and the light source. And those will typically be on carts that have wheels or about the size of a small refrigerator. Um, that system is where you plug the actual endoscope itself, which is this you know, flexible, um, flexible tube that has a camera system. And so you plug the camera into that stack of equipment. 
And then the doctors are visualizing the, the, um, what the, the scope is seeing in real time on a TV monitor. The, the emphasis historically has been on that real time video access. Um, and, and the integration has been somewhat limited. It, you know, it's, it's integrated into the electronic medical record system whereby the doctor can take a still image from the procedure and commit that to the medical record. But by and large, they've not had the ability to um, stream the raw video into the medical record. And again, that comes down to a lot of storage concerns. Mm. Um, trying to do that level of, of data capture on-prem mm. is, is really difficult and tends to overwhelm most hospital systems. And that's why with Virgo, we've been a cloud-first solution. We think the cloud is really the only way to do this at scale. Mm. And so what our, our device is intended to do is kind of bridge that gap of taking the, the um, real-time nature of the endoscopy system itself and providing a relay for that data into the cloud. Um, from there, we can build out a number of different EHR integrations uh, whereby we can match videos back to the rest of the patient record and provide a link where a doctor, when they're working through, um, you know, going back to, to consultant EHR, they can look at a patient record, click on the link, and drive directly into the Virgo video from there. Um, so I like to think of Virgo as, again, like a, an Apple TV, almost like a cloud relay to get mm. video off into the cloud. Mm. Okay. And what is the, what is that actual physical device contain? Um, what is it made up of? Yeah. So our, our device is, um, we try to keep it low cost, uh, but... Um, powerful enough to be able to analyze the video in real time, mm. uh, make a determination as to when procedures start and stop. We're also building out additional uh, kind of real-time AI analysis components that run on the device itself, mm. so that in the future, we can actually provide some real-time feedback about what our device is seeing and analyzing. Uh, but the goal of the device is to capture the video, uh, provide a little bit of a video buffer, and then stream it securely to the cloud as quickly as possible. Mm. There's also a security concern here where um, it's actually the, the safest thing from a security perspective is to encrypt the data as soon as it touches our device and then stream it off to the cloud as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, legacy video capture systems in the medical space, they're basically like glorified DVD recorders or uh, hard drive recorders, mm -hmm. which they can capture video but they do present a bit of a security challenge where if you now have, you know, tens or hundreds of videos stored onto a hard drive locally, what happens if that hard drive disappears? You now have a bunch of video data that's just walked away. Um, with the cloud, as soon as, our, as soon as video gets into our system, it's encrypted in transit and at rest. And we also have logging of who has access to that video. Um, it's impossible to access our videos unless you have the proper credentials. And we always know who is accessing what video to make sure they have the right privileges. Um, so yeah, that's, I, I guess, a, a quick overview of what our device is doing. It's, um, you know, relatively simple compute power inside the device uh, intended to stream it off to the cloud. No, that was awesome. And it's, it's, it's quite unique. And I think one of the things that I'm, I wanted to highlight is I feel like when, especially when it comes to any type of video recordings or imagery within healthcare, I think a lot of people like to jump the gun and go directly towards image recognition. And yeah. I, I'm curious, and maybe we just want to really stress on this point about why one is important maybe to actually 
be able to record and keep the video, but then also uh, have a platform that manages these videos and then be able to have those image recognition tools. Yeah. Yeah. So first and foremost, um, we're very excited about AI for, you know, uh, image recognition, image classification, real-time clinical decision support tools. I think it's a, a fascinating field and, and certainly one um, that's growing and that, that we're interested in. Uh, but from our perspective, in order to make any of those solutions a clinical reality, the first and, and most important thing is to be generating the optimal data set to train those systems. And in our opinion, for these endoscopic procedures, the, the, video, the data you need is the video from the endoscopy itself. Um, it's possible to train systems on uh, still image data sets, but we think over the long term, those types of data sets will be inferior to you know, vast video data sets. Um, the other piece that we think is really important when it comes to training AI systems is the diversity of the data. It's one thing to capture data from a single, uh, a single center, but what you run into is the, the possibility of overfitting your AI models to just focus on that specific site. So with Virgo, we have data coming in from numerous systems, uh, a whole bunch of different hospital settings, using different equipment, and we think that that adds to um, just the robustness of the data itself. The other thing that I think is uh, really important is we feel like there's value in just the data capture itself. Um, we have doctors around the country that have been clamoring for a system that would let them go back to use this video for their own research projects, training with residents and fellows, using video as a quality improvement tool where they can you know, sit down as a group, pull up a random video and say, hey, what happened here? How can we do this? procedure better. And so um, we think before jumping the gun to kind of futuristic AI tools, there's really a lot of value to be had in just a better data capture system around video. Um, and that's been the core aspect of our platform that is, has gotten doctors really excited to date. And then a lot of the, the AI that we are building into the platform right now is not geared towards clinical decision support. It's more about workflow automation. So we use AI right now to automatically trigger the start and stop of video. And it, it sounds like a small thing, um, but it, what it allows us to do is not have to ask the doctors or the nursing staff to change their normal clinical workflow to press start and stop on the video recording system. Um, and again, it's a small thing, but by automating that process, we see much, much higher compliance with the number of videos that are actually getting recorded because it's automated. Um, so those are the sorts of things that we think about and then of course, long-term, we're building up this exciting platform of both uh, data and then a platform to launch clinical decision support tools when the time is right. Gotcha. And I actually, you already answered my next question, which was, it's interesting that, that some of the AI features that you had, which was the start and stop. And yeah. it's nice to know the, the actual purpose behind that and yeah. why it's important. Um, and I guess you, you just mentioned that your future is now that you have a massive data set, there's a number of different tools that you can put on top of that that could be beneficial yeah. in the future. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and like I said in, in the, the initial overview, our, our main focus right now is on leveraging this data platform to help accelerate clinical trial enrollment in, in pharmaceutical trials. Um, we're initially focused on inflammatory bowel disease trials and um, leveraging the video data coming into our system to help providers, principal investigators, clinical research coordinators, um, more quickly identify patients in their population 
that are good candidates for inflammatory bowel disease trials. And um, I think IBD is just the start. There's a number of other clinical applications where uh, right now, just to give some perspective, the typical inflammatory bowel disease trial site is enrolling about one patient per year. And these are trials that require thousands of patients to fully enroll. Uh, and so what you see is the pharma trials take multiple years just to complete enrollment. And with Virgo, we think we can dramatically accelerate uh, the, the enrollment of patients by capturing the data and, and helping uh, principal investigators to more quickly analyze that data. Interesting. And, and I kind of want to build off of that, that last point. You guys have yeah. uh, what you call the Virgo Clinical Trial Enrollment Accelerator. That's what is right. this? Like, how does this work? Yeah, so the idea is uh, as we deploy Virgo out into the field, uh, there's more and more endoscopy video that's coming into our system, of course. And for specific uh, clinical trials, it's, it's really important to have that video data captured. And so historically, um, if you're a patient being seen by a, a gastroenterologist out in the community, that doctor is not saving your initial endoscopy, um, which then makes it really difficult for you to go enroll into a clinical trial unless you want to get a repeat colonoscopy, which most patients are, are not a fan of. Um, and so with Virgo, we uh, work with pharmaceutical companies to deploy our devices into more and more settings, not just at the primary university hospital, but also the surrounding community hospitals and ambulatory surgery centers. And then we can automatically analyze the videos as they come into our platform and say, based on the, the endoscopic presentation, we think patient X is a good candidate for this clinical trial. We then pass that information along to the principal investigator on the trial who can conduct patient outreach. And so it's a way to um, build a really targeted list of patients that already are in the patient population uh, that's participating in the trial, but it just makes it much easier and, and sort of a more automated system for uh, the clinical research coordinators. Um, so we're really excited about this. We've uh, started developing some partnerships with pharmaceutical companies uh, and expect to be piloting this starting later this year. Um, and we're just really excited about what we think can take place in, in going from uh, the current rate of one patient per year per trial site. We think there's an opportunity to dramatically accelerate that enrollment rate. Very cool. Yeah. And to kind of put it into scale, I think uh, the last time I looked uh, from the resources that I had, you've already done well over 90,000 endoscopic videos, or at least that's the data set that you have. Yeah, we're, we're actually now over 100,000 uh, procedure oh. videos in our data set. And the other thing that's important is that that data set continues to grow. So it's not a static data set, um, which gives us the ability to continually uh, retrain machine learning models, build new systems, um, and just, you know, the more data flowing into the system, the better. Awesome. How, how do you manage such massive scale of video data. I mean, that's gotta be super expensive. Yeah, it's um, definitely where our CTO David and his background at a company like Dropcam, which got acquired by Nest and Google, he brings a, a wealth of expertise in the space. Um, and there, there are ways to do this intelligently that help to both cut down on costs is, is certainly important. Uh, but what also is important is just building a system that is robust when you've got an incredible amount of video data flowing in from multiple locations. Uh, you want to make sure that there's no interruption in that service. And so uh, he's got some some really uh, technically savvy ways of building out our infrastructure that is secure and robust so that it can tolerate, you know, minor faults in a system. There's always a backup. Um, and so, yeah, it's 
there's a, a lot of just technical know-how that goes into uh, to building a high quality system around video. That's incredible. And yeah. the data that you collect, what is that relationship that you have with a lot of these providers? Is Are they willing to, is it, do they own the data? Do you now own the data? You know, what is that relationship like? Yeah. Can you share this data with other people? So the, the customers, the customers own their own data. Uh, and then of course, they provide us with uh, the ability to first and foremost serve that data back to them. Um, you know, as it comes into our system, we need to be able to put it into our cloud storage and put it into the portal so that they then have access to it. Um, we also have the ability to use the data provided it's fully de-identified and uh, aggregated to, to build out features that help to improve the service. Um, so, you know, building out these, um, uh, after the fact analysis tools to generate highlights in the videos, identify instruments in the videos. So we have the ability to do that. Uh, we don't share the data with any third parties, even in our relationship with pharmaceutical companies. Um, what we're actually doing is not sharing any of that data back to the pharma companies. We simply surface data to the providers themselves. So when we work with a hospital system, we analyze their data and then we let that hospital system know, hey, here are the patients in your population that you should be targeting. Um, so we don't do any of that patient outreach. The pharma companies don't do that patient outreach. It's all based on the providers themselves working within their population. We think that's, it, it's, it's really important. The providers should be the ones that own that patient relationship. Um, it's not our place to step in there and it's, it's certainly not the pharma company's place to step in either. Well, I guess it's also definitely within their benefit to have that insight into their existing customer base or their, well, their patients and uh, yeah, that, no one to step in. Yeah, that's what I think is, is most exciting is, you know, most large hospital systems, they're really excited about clinical research and, and patients obviously like at least knowing what research is available to them. And right now what you find is um, in, in a lot of academic hospital systems, the trial takes place at kind of the central university campus. But places like Stanford or Northwestern, they're owning and operating community hospitals far and wide in their geogra uh, geographic region. And uh, in our opinion, and lots of the, the physicians that we speak with at the main university centers, they feel like there's a, a, a enormous number of patients out in the community that are not really being exposed to research right now. And, and that's where we think Virgo can really fill the gap is uh, to surface those patients out in the community and let the hospital systems at least uh, reach out to those patients and say, hey, you know, you might be 50 miles away from Northwestern Central Campus, but there's a great research opportunity for you if you want to come into the main university and, and participate in research. Um, and I think that's really exciting from the hospital's perspectives, the doctor's perspectives, and of course the patient's perspectives to, to just know what sort of research is out there for them. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's very, very unique. Uh, and I feel like it puts uh, providers in a lot of control. Definitely, um, definitely. What, and I, what, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but uh, how is your device physically implemented in a, in a provider setting and how much yeah. hand-holding is, is required <laughs> and is it a big learning curve? Uh, how does this process work? Yeah, so we are, are constantly focused on um, sort of designing the installation process to be as lightweight as possible. Um, I'd say real estate in procedure rooms is, 
is highly valuable. It's precious. Anytime you're putting something into the procedure room, it can get in the way of something else. The last thing you want is some big bulky system or like a, a brand new computer tower that's going to get in the way of, of, of other equipment. And so we are always looking at ways to refine the installation process. Um, right now, the process is, is pretty straightforward. It typically takes 10 to 15 minutes for us to set up the equipment. Um, and, and COVID has actually been a forcing function for us to continually refine that process where um, we actually wanted to do some installations with hospital systems during COVID and, and of course, couldn't go on site to help facilitate those installations. Um, and as a result, we've been working towards a remote install, which is almost like what you might be used to doing with your cable service, where they ship you the box, you've got some instructions, if you need help, you can call them up, but you're really the one that's in charge of doing the installation. And um, we've been really successful with that. We have some ideas going forward about how we can make that process even easier so that people can do self-service installs. Um, but that's really important. Again, uh, time and space is really precious in mm. the procedure room. Doctors have more important things to be worrying about than you know, setting up IT and audiovisual equipment. Uh, mm. So things have to be easy. Um, from there, the, once installation is taken care of, we also do remote onboardings with the physicians, with uh, fellows and nurses, anyone that's going to have a, a Virgo login account. Uh, we have a customer success team that will conduct remote onboardings uh, to train them on the platform. That said, the, the platform is kind of what you'd expect from a modern video platform. And it, it, we, we find that um, a lot of users are able to just self onboard and kind of work their way through the platform. Uh, but we we always have support available to walk in through new features when needed. Cool. Yeah. Um, and and I, I feel like that is also in a lot of use cases, having a simple implementation is a huge competitive advantage. And sometimes when it feels like these traditional systems, if it takes hundreds or thousands of man hours to integrate, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, my um, So my other co-founder, Ian, he actually uh, started his career at Epic doing implementation work mm -hmm. on, uh, on their EHR systems and spent his whole career in healthcare IT doing a lot of consulting work. So he's intimately familiar with, you know, these massive healthcare IT projects and uh, also brings a, a ton of incredible expertise on ways to simplify those processes, try to make as, as many of them um, just intuitive for the user as possible. So. Um, you know, we, we do have the human resources available when people need it. We also try to design the product itself such that uh, people can just learn on the fly as they're using it. Awesome. And, and I guess to build off of that point, it seems for a lot of healthcare software companies, it's really difficult to sell to providers and sales yeah. cycles for health, most healthcare companies is a much longer than what you'd expect from traditional enterprise software. Um, sure. At the same time, integrating with existing tools or EHR systems is also seems like sometimes a conflict of interest, not sharing data, it's just hard to integrate. How do you manage these issues? And how do you take on this, what seems like providers are bombarded with so many different types of tools that they have to use now that it's yeah. almost hard to get a phone call with anybody? Yeah, it's something that we are continually striving to get better at. Uh, and I think we're at a point now where we have a really nicely defined process in place, understanding who the key stakeholders are on the provider side, as well as on the IT and security side. 
we have put together a, uh, a lot of internal collateral just documenting how our system works, what that process is like. We've got a whole IT workbook. It's like our gold standard workbook that we provide proactively to the IT and security teams as opposed to trying to figure out what the review process is. We, we really help to facilitate that with IT departments. So we've certainly gotten uh, much, much better at that. And I think we're at a point now where we have, um, I'd say shortened the sales cycle as much as possible. Granted, there's always things that uh, we'll need to work through. The other thing that's really interesting is, um, you know, historically we were targeting providers directly. We would go out to hospitals and say, we've got this great tool for you. Um, and, and work through that sales process. Like you mentioned, provider sales, it's just a long cycle. Um, cycle times at hospitals are, are lengthy. And what we've seen in working with pharmaceutical companies, uh, we've kind of shifted the business model where now pharma companies are the customer and they're the ones that pay for Virgo. Uh, and in, in making that shift, we can then provide Virgo free of charge to hospitals and providers. Um, which is obviously a huge boon for us. It's a boon for the providers. They now get this great tool that helps them in a number of ways and they get it completely for free. Uh, and the pharma companies are the sponsor there. And, and we've seen that has, um, I, I'd say, really shortened sales cycles, uh, both with pharma companies, it's a shorter sales cycle. And then by making this a free offering for the providers, um, it, it's, it's helped to accelerate our uptake with, uh, with the hospital systems as well. Very cool. Yeah. And, and with and, and with that question, um, the relationships that you're building with pharmaceutical companies, what's this business model? And especially for for your platform, are they paying for the amount of scans, the the quantity of videos, just a subscription fee? Comp yeah, you know, maybe a mix of everything. How does that yeah. work? Yeah, yeah, it's certainly evolving. But um, right now, the idea is that we get compensated when we help uh, increase the enrollment rate at their existing trial sites. So when we find patients that matriculate into a trial, uh, that's when we get compensated. We're really excited to uh, kick off these initial pilots, like I said, hopefully starting by the end of this year. Um, and, and it's really, with these initial pilots, what we're trying to prove is that we can take the current enrollment rate, which is again, about one patient per trial site per year, and we are looking to dramatically increase that enrollment rate. Um, we're shooting for a target of two patients per month per trial site once we're at scale. Um, so that's about a 24x increase in, in the enrollment rate. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the idea. We get compensated when we, we find patients and get them enrolled into trials. I think we'll see over time how that business model may evolve once we've got some evidence at our back uh, to show exactly how this is working in the field. And uh, I guess you answered my follow-up question with that, which is the what are the type of deliverables that you actually pitch to these pharma companies and, and providers, but it seems as though it's, we can bring in more people to the research study and that's yeah. what's the most advantages of all everything. Yeah. So that's the key goal. I'd say it's really two things with patient mm -hmm. enrollment. So uh, pharma companies are really interested in getting the patients enrolled, but maybe even more important than that is actually how fast you can find the patients. Because again, every day that you shorten their trial, uh, the pharma companies will tell you they can generate an additional five to eight million dollars in revenue per day that you shorten their trial. So, what we're, yeah, what we're looking to do in these pilots is demonstrate not only are we finding the patients, but here's how much faster we're able to find them. Mm. 
And it's, it's interesting that I, I really like the slide that you shared with us as a really good visual of how you see this entire ecosystem, not just, you know, uh, uh, managing endoscopic videos for the gastrology practice, but just overall where the direction you can go and the size yeah. and the quantity of that. And it's, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's quite unique. And I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add on that. Cause I think uh, that was a great, great visual. Yeah, well, I, th I think the key takeaway is that endoscopy is a very large section of the overall healthcare ecosystem. Um, now, it's, it's broken across different specialties, like I showed, but all of those different specialties rely on this umbrella utilization of endoscopy. They, they're placing video cameras inside the patient to accomplish what it is they're, they're, uh, they're looking to do. And from our perspective, uh, we think GI was the right jumping off point. Well, we are already seeing branching into other clinical specialties, um, most notably in bronchoscopy, uh, where at one of our uh, GI installation sites, the pulmonologists heard about what the gastroenterologists were doing, and they said, that's really interesting. We would love to record our bronchoscopies of the lungs. And so uh, they reached out, and we've now deployed Virgo devices into the bronchoscopy suites and are starting to capture bronchoscopy videos. Um, and then on the flip side of that is, is somewhat ironic at the kind of around the same time we were having a conversation with a pharmaceutical company uh, that was initially geared around inflammatory bowel disease. And they said, this is great for IBD, but actually our, our kind of star drug right now that we're working on is in idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, which is this condition where you get scarring of the lungs and, and we don't actually really know what's causing it. So they've got a, a new molecule they're working on for uh, pulmonary fibrosis, and they said, you know, we think there's a, a great application to essentially replicate what you're looking to do in IBD. Just do the same thing in bronchoscopy with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. So we're already starting to just organically see that uh, expansion into other clinical spaces, and I think that'll just continue over time. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's... Um... You know, especially in, in health IT, it seems as though, depending on the application and building, it's whatever you're building that application for, especially imagery, it's specifically for that application, nothing else. And it's, yeah. it's interesting to see that for you, it's, it's very easy to overlap and jump into new categories of healthcare. And health yeah, services. I think so like the core video capture functionality of our system and, and this scalable, if cost-effective cloud video uh, storage solution that's the core technology that I think can easily replicate from one specialty to another. And then what we'll look to do is layer on top of that specific analysis tools, video review tools that are targeted specifically at those different uh, clinical specialties. So like in the GI space, for example, when a doctor uses our platform, we've actually built out these specific tools that let them fill out a colonoscopy specific assessment form for that specific video. And that's something we would look to kind of replicate what the different tools are in the bronchoscopy space, for example. So the, the core underlying technology, the core platform stays the same. And then it's really important to build out the, the product specific features that make it a useful tool for the different clinical specialists. Mm, I see. Yeah. Okay. And I have a couple more questions for you. Yeah, sure. The, you, 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 highlighted it a little bit about how you made the adjustment, but how's the pandemic affected uh, your company? Yeah, it was, um, you know, certainly interesting in the early days, the uh, joint GI committees put out a, a statement 
uh, I think it was on March 15th, basically saying that uh, we recommend all uh, elective procedures be postponed indefinitely. And that's a, a huge percentage of the GI procedure spaces, elective procedures. And basically overnight, we saw the procedure volumes in our system drop down to about 10 to 15% of the, the normal volume. And, um, you know, out of just respect for our customers, we basically ceased all external sales communications and just made ourselves available if anybody needed anything. Um, there were a few, uh, a few folks that expressed a little bit of interest in potentially even using Virgo as a tool to capture bronchoscopy that was being done for COVID patients. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I could see that uh, being a, a really interesting area of research going forward as we try to study the long-term impacts of COVID on patients' lung functions. So um, in, in the early days, it was definitely a, a major slowdown in what we're doing. We've definitely been encouraged uh, that the providers that we talk to are uh, expressing a pretty rapid return to their, their normal procedure workflows. Um, and we've seen on our end, the procedure volumes back up to about 80% on a per site basis of what we were seeing pre-COVID. And then uh, we've actually had a few hospitals that have closed, uh, that, that, that have started to go live again, new installations with Virgo. Um, mm -hmm. And so based on that, we're actually back up to, at a, system, uh, a, a complete Virgo-wide level, we're actually capturing more uh, procedures now than where we were pre-COVID. Um, mm -hmm. So we're, we're encouraged by that. I think uh, obviously it's the, the providers out there have done an amazing job handling uh, the pandemic in their local regions. And, um, we're just happy to be able to support them wherever possible. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I think, um, especially, it's it's really interesting to get your take on that because it's every healthcare ecosystem is in such a unique position and how it's affected by the pandemic. And it's, it's yeah. in some places, it's silver lining, other places, it's absolutely devastating. So it's, it's definitely um, reassuring to hear that things are coming back online. Yeah, um, without a doubt. My my final question that I wanted to ask you, which was, you know, what do you think is the future of, and, and it could be specifically to your use cases, which is the endoscopic video management, but what do you think overall is the future for healthcare data management, and what do you see that most people don't? Yeah, so my my personal vision, I think the vision that's really shared by our, our team and our uh, early adopters is... I don't know, five, call it three years into the future, five years, 10 years, whatever it might be. I fully expect that we're going to be living in a world where every endoscopy procedure video is documented and captured long-term. Um, I think it's, it's kind of crazy in 2020, we're in a world where everyone has a camera phone and they're basically documenting video of their lives 24 seven. But for some reason in the healthcare space, we're, we're kind of just throwing out a lot of really useful data right now. Um, so that's that's one end of it. I think all of this video data will be captured. Uh, it's just a matter of time. And we're, of course, trying to, to make that happen as quickly as possible. The other thing that I, I would encourage other entrepreneurs out there to think about is um, I think there's a lot of data. It's not just endoscopy video data. There's a lot of data in healthcare that's kind of being generated and just put out into the ether that doesn't necessarily have a good capture stream around it. Um, there are companies like Augmetics, which you know relies on Google Glass or kind of a, an ambient recording system in, in patient encounters. I think capturing that sort of not just visual data but audio data is really interesting in the healthcare landscape. 
And so I'd, I'd encourage uh, entrepreneurs out there to think beyond the typical EHR system. Uh, EHRs, again, I think they're really intended for billing documentation. And there's a huge opportunity to focus on clinical documentation, how we can build good clinical documentation systems, which will lead to, uh, I think, all sorts of advances in how we use clinical data going forward. Awesome. Yeah. It's really, yeah, it's, it's, it's a unique perspective in looking outside of different types of data sets that uh, you wouldn't traditionally think, especially audio. But yeah. with that, um, uh, I think that, yeah, that's pretty much wraps most of the questions that I really wanted to ask you, Matt. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. This was fantastic. Yeah, uh, it's fine. I mean, like we said, we, we, we thought you were one of the best data management category. I love doing these interviews because we're always impressed with, you know, learning a little bit more deeper picture of not only what Virgo is doing, but the grander vision and how that integrates unique sure. features, why that's important. Um, before I close out, is there anything else that you wanted to, uh, to end on or ask or mention to the audience? Yeah, this is fantastic. Really appreciate the opportunity to share what we're building at Virgo. Uh, hopefully, as you can tell, we're really passionate about what uh, we're developing and, and what the opportunities are that face us in the years to come. Um, we are in the process of fundraising right now, hoping to have that closed out in the not too distant future. And on the heels of that, we'll really be looking to, uh, to expand the team in a number of different capacities. So would love anyone that's interested in, in what they've heard and, and what we're building, feel free to reach out. We're always looking for smart and talented people to come join the Virgo team. Awesome. Well, Matt, thanks again. This was fantastic. Yeah. And for the audience, this was, like we said before, one of the top companies within well over 100 data management companies that you should be well aware of and be watching. So I'll look awesome. out for Virgo. Yeah, I really appreciate that, Kyle. Thanks for the time. Absolutely.